Welcome in everyone. Week two is in the books and we are here with the 23rd episode of the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast. I'm your host Colin here with my buddy Toby. Good afternoon. For once it is actually an afternoon where we're recording here and we are going to be discussing some quarterbacks who through two weeks have leveled up their game. We've both picked a couple guys. I'm going to throw in some extras at the end. This might be a bit of a quicker episode than we normally do. Make sure to find us at Deep Dive Dynasty on Twitter. And just like always, let's jump right into it. Let's go. And I'm going to start it off right away, right here, with a guy we've talked about recently in our preseason episodes because we loved him in redraft leagues, taking him where he was going because we knew that he was going to be exploding and exploding early, but maybe not even quite to this degree. It's Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's someone that I definitely was targeting and although that has absolutely come to fruition, it's actually come in a bit of a different way than I would have expected. Through two weeks, he has attempted 81 passes for 57 completions. He's ripping. He has. That is much more than he had been throwing in his first two NFL seasons. And he has thrown for 312 yards and then 417 yards. Wow. With six touchdowns passing overall. In week one, he did rush in the way that we initially expected with 14 attempts for 57 yards and a touchdown, but in week two, he actually didn't need to rush as much. Against Miami, he rushed four times for 18 yards without a touchdown, so that was much more of a standing in the pocket and passing type of game, but it doesn't really matter when you're completing 24 passes for 417 yards and four touchdowns. That is really the way that Josh Allen has leveled up. Because before this season, how many games do you think he has had throwing over 300 yards? Maybe two or three. Zero. He's never done it before. His previous highest in passing yards is 266. He had a bunch of games last year that was right around the 250 mark, but he never even got close to that 300 mark that he has now passed and then most recently destroyed in the last two weeks. Looking forward in an entirety of his career since, do you think that he has leveled up as a passer, or is it really the management getting him those receiving weapons that he's never had that is bringing up his passing ceiling to this point? Kind of a crappy answer, but it's definitely a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs, elite route runner. He's absolutely helping Allen. He's actually made... Totally immediate impact these first two games. Having Diggs there is fantastic, but he really is the only target that's been brought in. I think management realizes that right now their running game not going to be elite for some time, and their wide receivers alone can't really get the job done for just a single stand and huck it guy. They're just letting Josh Allen explore the field in more ways than one. He's running with his feet. I'd also like to say, I mean, fumbles aren't a sticky stat necessarily. No. Josh Allen has quite a few fumbles this year. If he actually held onto the ball, he'd just have a higher point total. He'd be just even that more impressive. I think he's leveling up as a player, as well as the Bills' just evolution around him at wide receivers is going to benefit him. Yeah. So preseason, I also did talk about his schedule and the way that for the first 10 weeks, He has a great schedule, then he has a bye, and then he gets hit with a gauntlet of really difficult matchups. So that does concern me a little bit. And of course, 
he does have some difficult games. Like, he plays New England in Week 8. He plays Kansas City, who's proven to be a good passing defense in Week 6. So, not all of the games are completely easy until Week 10, but he definitely could be benefiting from his first two matchups being the Jets and the Dolphins. Those aren't necessarily scary passing defenses. We understand that. But despite that, and despite my plan that is still in place in redraft where I expect to flip him around my league's trade deadlines, looking at the longevity of his career, I'm actually becoming much more confident that he will lead them to such a good record, mm-hmm. and he will continue to improve in the way that he has done so far, that he's very likely to be their starter for a very long time. I could see the only way that changing is if they become one of those teams that's always in the playoffs but just can't quite make it, maybe they do decide at some point, like, we're there, we just don't quite have the consistency at quarterback or something. That could be his only path, but What path I do not see for him that I do see for a lot of people in his age range is that, wow, Sam Darnold, you played fine, but holy, we sucked and we're at the (laughs) bottom of the league. So it doesn't matter because we like you, Sam, but uh, we like Trevor here better. He's a bit bit of a leveled up version of yourself. And that is the path that won't happen for Josh Allen because he's leading a good team to a good record. And by doing that, he is securing his own long-term future. Josh Allen is long-term. I support that 100%. Speaking of a guy who just faced that hardy Kansas City Chiefs defense and still put up good fantasy points, and should I mention, it's his first career start that he was definitely not ready for. My first QB lava love is Justin Herbert. On one level... It's obvious. We'd never seen him play in the league before. But on another, this game's convinced me of a couple of things. One, Justin Herbert is a quality quarterback and is going to be very much so a Josh Allen type for his team, either at the end of this year or at the very start of next year. I personally see Justin Herbert playing games throughout the season. I'm ready to trust Coach Lynn that Tyrod Taylor is going to come back. I think Tyrod was such a leader for the team all offseason. He's going to get the veteran on for a while. But the moment any of that chest tightness restricts his play, or the moment they start going, we're 2-5, and Justin Herbert's coming back in. He comes in against the Chiefs, who are a good defense, and he doesn't just put up garbage-time fantasy points. Obviously, he almost won the game. He was doing it with his legs, not beautifully well at all. Doing it with his arm, far from error-free. But that is a guy who is absolutely flashing as a rookie in a huge pressure environment, getting thrown in there when he really hasn't had all those weekly reps with the starters. Justin Herbert impressed me. I didn't really like him. I didn't like where he was going in drafts. But now I can really see his path that because he had this performance right now, I do think he's going to play games, even if it's just to close out the season, this season. And Tyrod Taylor is going to be phased out by the, at the very, very latest, week one, 2021, Justin Herbert's starting. And because of that, I want him on my fantasy team. He's loving it up. Yeah, the real question definitely is, how much do we believe Anthony Lynn's hard-headedness that he's going to go back to Tyrod? I do believe it. In the immediate future, I believe that week three, assuming health, it will be Tyrod Taylor. I also 
there's a lot of rumors out there that this wasn't a real injury and that they just mm-hmm. come on guys. It, it definitely was something real and he went, he went to the hospital so <laughs> that, at that point like you're not gonna go fake medical records i and, do th- taylor was injured and i think even if the chargers were planning on bringing in herbert somewhat earlier they probably wouldn't have done it in a game where he was likely to get destroyed by the chiefs like yeah. if they would have Done, if they wanted to pull some weird Houdini crap like this, they were going to do it when he had a really it, soft matchup. Do it next week against the Panthers when you got a super sure. soft D. Yeah, definitely not against the Chiefs. This was not by design, and that is a pretty insane take that I've seen out there. But Herbert did look good against what I totally expect for the rest of the season will be a good, solid passing defense. And you're right that Tyrod should come back soon and start, but... What Herbert did was give confidence to his coaches that if they need to try to switch up this offense, if they're in a bit of a desperate situation, moving to this quarterback really has the chance of giving them a higher win probability because he did almost just beat the reigning Super Bowl champion. Mm -hmm. And for any franchise, all they want to do is win, and if Tyrod is not getting it done, which he definitely didn't in week one, if he continues to look as he did in week one, I think it's very likely that they see the rest of their roster and the fact that they have a good defense, and if their offense can be improved by making this move, they are going to do it to clutch onto any hope they might have of having a winning season. So that is definitely the path I see for Herbert to get on the field this year. In terms of his mechanics... I thought he looked better than I expected. He definitely impressed me. I know that there are definitely some mental errors that he always is a bit prone to. He looked absolutely raw out there, for sure. Mm -hmm. But the potential's there. Maybe he has a season that's somewhat like Drew Locke's first season. That's the way I could see it, because that is the way I saw Drew Locke as a prospect, too, is that he has all the talent, he has the arm, but maybe he doesn't have the decision-making. And that's definitely what I see with Justin Herbert. But... At the end of the season last year, Drew Locke had a 4-1 record, and it would not shock me if that is the type of record that Herbert could put up with the roster around him once he finally gets in. And from there, moving forward, he's going to give his coaches confidence, and he will be a starter moving forward, and that is definitely a good guy to go out and buy in Dynasty, especially in Superflex Leagues. Back to another quarterback that I talked about being one of those guys that I was very afraid could lose his job after this season, and the way that he has leveled up very possibly could prevent that from happening. It is Gardner Minshew. He had a good rookie season last year, but from all that we have seen so far, he has leveled up this year. So in week one, he had 20 attempts for 19 completions, only 173 yards, but that was still an incredible completion rate for three touchdowns, and he also rushed a decent amount, five attempts for 19 yards. And then this most recent week against another formidable team in Tennessee, he attempted 45 passes for 30 completions, 339 yards. He did throw for two interceptions, but he also threw for three touchdowns. And then again, he rushed four times for 19 yards. What he has done, more than anything, more than any of these stats... What he has done is keep the Jacksonville Jaguars in games, and I did not see that being possible. I thought this team was absolutely tanking, and they have not been that far off from going 2-0, and 
and then I look at their schedule, and they play Miami, Cincy, Houston, Detroit for the next four games. Is it impossible that they're five and one after six weeks going into their bye? It's insane, and I think the roster around him is not not doing great. But Gardner Minshew has gone from what, in my opinion, is mostly a meme to just willing this broken down roster to victory or just being on the cusp of it. He's been very impressive. He's been clutch in the moments where he needs to put together a drive. And just the same way I was talking about Josh Allen, I think the most important part of this is, number one, of course, he's playing well himself, and that gives his coaching staff, his general manager, all of that confidence in him going forward. And number two, if he's improving this team to a better record, he is taking away their opportunity to replace him with one of these absolute stud high-end college prospects that are coming in. We know there is three or four that are going to be top 10 picks and are likely to start for their NFL teams. And if Gardner keeps playing the way that he has been, they won't have one of those top 10 picks. And that is honestly insane to me because going into this season, I would have locked them into one of the first few picks of the draft. And I don't think there's even a remote chance they are that now. You never know what kind of collapse could happen, but really, they just, they look pretty good. It's crazy, but they do. They look pretty effective out there. I'm curious with Gardner Minshew because I myself struggle with how to evaluate him. If I'm going to go and try to acquire him in a trade, let's let's say running back. If you are in a super flex dynasty league, like what level of running back would you be willing to trade? to get a potentially long-term asset like Gardner Minshew. For me, it is very difficult. I have a tough time with that. I don't know. I, I think you, you'd you want to trade... Uh... How about I throw out some names for you? I'll, I'll look at the running backs, and let's just say this is a one-for-one trade. Would you would you trade this player off your dynasty roster for Gardner Minshew if it's super flex? Would you trade Kareem Hunt? No. Would you trade James Robinson, his running back? No. Oh, I would for sure. You would rather have James Robinson than Gardner Minshew? I think it's extremely close. Interesting. Okay, that more than anything, that tells me you're definitely higher on James Robinson than I am. I'm still scared about his long-term outlook. Sure. But okay, well, just to, to look a little bit more. Um, would you trade Naheem Hines? Yes, I would. I would for I sure. I would for sure. Especially would. after Naheem. Whoa, whoa. Would you trade Benny Snell? In a heartbeat. Yeah, I knew that answer. Uh, I'm not maybe looking at the best list. Would you trade Joshua Kelly? Mm, Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I think that really does show me that you, more than anything, you like James Robinson more than I do. But I think I would trade Josh Kelly as well. Would you trade Ronald Jones? I would. I would, too. I would be nervous, but I would do it. Devin Singletary. No. I think that's about the range for me. Yeah. I think, I think I that's a pretty 50-50 even trade. Okay. Yeah, just wanted to, to you know, get another yeah, that opinion. That is a hard one. And what I really like about Gardner Minshew, I think of him as a diluted 2019 Jameis Winston in the fact that he's going to be airing it out. He's He plays with a similar reckless abandon. <laughs> yeah. But sure. unlike Jameis, he, he really, really wants to win. And his pieces around him just aren't elite 
So it's going to take him. Is he going to eat that win like Jameis? It, no. <laughs> it's going to take him like still using his legs and just getting guys around him better. I feel obviously DJ Chark has totally leveled up because of Minshew leveling up. Mm-hmm. Even guys like Keelan Cole, I can see becoming very fantasy relevant come the end of the yeah, season. He has been so far. Our final quarterback that we're going to talk about in depth is my guy, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, comeback player of the year last year. Since he came back in week seven, he has only thrown five interceptions in total. No interceptions this year. This guy is the king of good decision-making at the quarterback position, all right? Right now, to start off the season, I was worried about him. I thought it just might be a year of King Henry, be that guy the ball, he's going to explode. Tannehill has not been solely feeding him the ball. In week one, 43 pass attempts. Didn't quite get up to 300 yards receiving, but still put up a pretty decent stat line. This week, though, no A.J. Brown. He puts up 27 fantasy points. Fewer passing attempts, but four touchdowns through the air. Ryan Tannehill has matured so much as a player that, again, I don't know if I can vouch solely for his skills. It just might be the schemes that are in place from Mike Vrabel. But this guy is excelling at almost every aspect of the game. He makes extremely good running decisions. I will not be surprised when he puts in three touchdowns on the ground this year. I would say kind of at a minimum. Yeah, no, I, I, he rushes quite a bit. I would agree. <laughs> yeah, he's averaging throwing three touchdowns a game so far in this year. Obviously a small sample size. But also in this division where the defenses aren't going to be necessarily elite or in some cases even challenging... Ryan Tannehill is an absolute level up for the whole Titans team and also is going to be such a consistent fantasy starter for you, but doesn't have that kind of alluring name power that some of the other guys do. For example, I think even Justin Herbert is going to be much, much higher valued than Tannehill by some people. Mm -hmm. And because of that, if you're in win now mode or even just win in the next two to three years, I still see Tannehill being a part of this team in years to come. And I don't see the Titans using a high draft pick to be getting a quarterback and him losing his job because of that. It'll just be age, and with that age, it could be four years, five years, could be one, I guess. But No, no, he, I, I honestly do think he's locked in, and the way that you really know that to me is they paid him. Yeah, that, that's the thing. He gets a huge contract. He has a running game that really helps him open up his passing options as well. It's not a reliance on Derrick Henry, in my opinion. And all you need to do is go back and look at his stats through week seven of last year and immediately starting this year. It's a guy making constantly good decisions. He rarely throws interceptions. He almost never fumbles. And he's throwing you touchdown passes even when, I mean, this week too, he has no A.J. Brown. He has no high elite level talent. Johnny Smith is playing much better. Corey Davis is shockingly good. Actually, a good player. Ryan Tannehill is a guy that people don't value just because of his name alone. He was a failure on the Dolphins, tears his ACL. Now he's a guy that has leveled up, and you should be trying to acquire for your fantasy teams as soon as right now. I do have my only fear. It's not in the long term because I agree he's a great quarterback too. If you have been acquiring him in Superflex, like we've been recommending. He's definitely paying off for you. 
One thing that I do expect to change is he's been throwing for a ton of touchdowns, and those touchdowns have been taken away from Derrick Henry. And, of course, we all knew that touchdown regression was happening for Derrick Henry, but he has zero through two weeks, zero on the ground, Mm -hmm. and that's not going to continue. So I don't know if he's going to continue to have the ceiling that he has had so far, but also... He hasn't been in much of a shootout game yet either, and that's what I love to see is maybe they've been in somewhat closer games, but they haven't had to play catch-up yet, and I expect that at some point they will, and then they'll be definitely going to throwing all the time because Derrick Henry still has had 31 and 25 rushing attempts. Mm -hmm. may not be that good with them, only 3.6 yards per carry, 3.4 yards per carry, but... Still, you know that Derrick Henry's going to get some of his, and that comes with some touchdowns that are going to come away from Tannehill, but that does not change how I value him, especially in the long term. I really do love Tannehill, and if people weren't believing him throughout half of last season, they definitely should be now. Before we get into the Guess That Dynasty buy, I want to talk about a few other quarterbacks that have leveled up, but maybe there isn't that level of depth of discussion to be had about them. A couple of guys in the same vein, we've got Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and these are two guys that we know, it's no surprise, they're elite talents. The change that has happened is that, of course, we've all heard the mantra, let Russ cook. Both of these two guys have been allowed to toss the ball, and if their offensive structures change to the point that they are throwing at the rate that they have been through two weeks, they will be top-end again. Rodgers will return to that form where he is throwing like crazy. Though I must say, hopefully uh, hopefully he still has his number one target to throw to, but still. Mm-hmm. And Russell Wilson, if he continues to be in these type of games where they are letting him pass on first and second downs at this rate, he is going to continue to be absolutely elite. You've got Cam Newton, who's impressing some people. Honestly, this is what Cam is. If he's healthy... He's going to score a lot of fantasy points. He's going to rush in a lot of touchdowns. This really shouldn't be yeah. a shock and to Belichick anyone. And Belichick will make sure he gets his rushing touchdown attempts, too. Belichick knows how to use the players that he has. He wasn't going to throw him into Brady's system. This is going to be an offense tailored around their quarterback, and their quarterback is Cam Newton, so it's not that hard to figure out that you should be rushing in the goal line a lot with your quarterback. It's just it's what everyone should have predicted, so I don't consider it much of a level up, but... He has been a late-round steal for a lot of people. We've got Kyler, who's just doing exactly what you want with your second-year quarterback. He's an elite talent. He's moving forward. The offense is so much better. And, of course, he has a new target to throw to that is helping him a lot. And Joe Burrow, for a rookie quarterback, is impressing a lot. It shouldn't surprise you that much. I would easily have bet that Joe Burrow is likely to break those Baker Mayfield rookie quarterback records. He also gets the two and a half game start on Baker, so it definitely will not shock me to see him take those titles. All right, Colin, are you ready for this week's Dynasty Buy? I am ready to guess. So, what we're going to do here, we do this every week, is Toby's going to give me a series of five hints. They're going to become increasingly more obvious of who the player is, and on each hint, I am going to guess who he is telling us all to buy in Dynasty right now. Take it away. Hint number one. I scored over 20 PPR points this weekend. Over 20. 
<laughs> That's a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Just a player who did well. And I'm, it's going to be someone that Toby really wants me to buy. I almost just said someone that... Mm, I don't know why this is the first guy that came to my mind. It's probably because I know he was on Toby's bench. I'm going to go with the guy who's got three touchdowns, so he's got to be over 20. Tyler Higby. Oh, the Higbees. <laughs> Five catches week two. Three of them for touchdowns. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Tyler. I left you on my bench. That's totally my fault. It is not Tyler Higby. Okay, no. Fair enough. Clue two. I currently have the seventh most rush yards in the entire NFL. Ooh. Seventh most rushing yards. I mean, I guess it could be a quarterback, but I'm going to stick with the fact that I think it is a running back. Hmm. This is probably up there. I still don't have that much to go off of. I'm going to go with a guy who just exploded on my team, and that's Aaron Jones. Love Aaron Jones, but it is not Aaron Jones. Okay. Number three, I'm only 22 years old. 22, very young. Oh, my, I am, this isn't my guess yet. I'm thinking Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I'm just simply not sure if he scored over 20 points this week. That's really my only thought. I definitely watched that game, and he was used, but not an incredible amount. Ah, I know. Uh, you know, in a very similar vein, I'm going to pivot to the other top-end guy. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Another good guess, but it is incorrect. Okay. Fourth end. I have this position as a running back, less so by merit and more so because my team's starting running back last year is no longer on the team. Okay, it's probably the guy we've already talked about, and it's going to be James Robinson. You are correct. Okay, James Robinson. That makes I, as soon as you started talking about him in the episode, I was like, I'm just going to be quiet because <laughs> i got to talk about this guy. Okay. So once again, James Robinson right now, he's a top 10 most rushing yards in the league type of guy. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what happens off season. Okay, Right before the season, Leonard Fournette, star running back, high draft capital, is cut. Do they cut him because they have absolutely no backup plan? Nope. Maybe the backup plan's Chris Thompson. Is it Divine Divine Ozigbo? I don't even know which it is, to be honest. The backup plan is James Robinson. Emphatically James Robinson, because in week one, he delivers, they win the game. Is it just that waiver wire fodder where it was just, you know, a shot in the dark, we don't know? Absolutely not. Week two, he comes in 20... PPR points. Actually, it was 21. Catching three out of four passes, running for over 100 yards. James for opportunity is that fantasy mantra of when there is a guy who doesn't have a lot of talent around, you gotta get him on your team. I get it. James Robinson. He's only 22 years old. I didn't know his name until week one. But with the Jags actually playing solid football, they're going to need a guy at running back. Chris Thompson is nothing. Yes, he's going to catch the occasional pass, and he actually did in week two, but James Robinson is the guy. He is it 100% of the snaps week one. Comes in, puts up over 100 yards in the ground, and is now catching passes as well in week two, gaining rapport with Gardner Minshew. James Robinson, I believe, is going to be the starting running back 
all year long for a Jags team. While the name is not known right now, get him on your team just to see how much he could actually continue this fantastic standard. I'm not saying that he is the Jags starting running back next year, but there were other guys coming in, Devonta Freeman, maybe it was a money thing, but I don't think the Jags wanted him because they actually have and believe in James Robinson's talent. This is not a guy who's accidentally scoring a few touchdowns and putting up points. This is a guy they're giving the ball to. They are trusting him. They're giving him goal line work. And I think James Robinson is a fantastic dynasty buy right now. Okay, so I, you know, obviously you bring up his name and I got to go look at his line. And he did definitely do better than I realized in week two. And that is what I wanted to see with him going forward because I did believe after week one that, okay, he did well, but we have to watch because we've got a Zigbo on IR and we got Armstead on the COVID list. So these are two guys that are not playing right now that maybe are ahead of him on the depth chart, and this is just because they don't have anyone else. I definitely agree, Chris Thompson. We've seen enough. He got a <laughs> touchdown, but he was not used. He's irrelevant yeah. in that offense. But what you do want to see out of a player is if they get that opportunity, they excel with it. And in week one, even though he got all of the rushing attempts of his team, he actually didn't excel that much. But in week two, he did take a lot more advantage with his rushing attempts, rushing for 6.4 yards. I really like that. He also got the touchdown, and you're right that he also got some receiving work. He does as well, as I was talking with Gardner, have a pretty easy schedule for the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And assuming that he is still the guy, I agree that he's going to be taking this workload. And if anything, his value is only going to go up once he continues to put together good game after good game. So I agree with you that I would rather buy him now. I still might not be as in on him as some people in a few weeks because of the situation, but... Let's be honest, every running back in the league, they didn't have their situation locked down until they produced with their opportunities. He's getting an opportunity right now. If he's producing with it, he's going to keep that job. I get your trepidation because it's scary to take a guy and say, who, James James Robinson, a 22-year-old from <laughs> Illinois? Say, I at least knew him before the season. <laughs> like... I knew of him, but never once did I consider in that kind of murky backfield no, that he would be the guy. No, me either. But from what I've learned in fantasy, sometimes you've got to take those murky backfields and you've got to lock down where the stats are taking you. I think James Robinson is it. I think it's, it's definitely worth at least going to the owner in your league and seeing how they value him because there are people that probably are just thinking, oh, he's just the starter right now. And then Raquel Armstead is definitely going to be the lead guy because that would have been most people's guess before the season. But Raquel Armstead's done less in his NFL career than James Robinson has now. Like Teams, it's definitely yeah. not a guarantee or not something that anyone really knows. So if they are not valuing him very high despite his production, I would absolutely go buy him. That's it, everyone. That is our 23rd episode after week two. We talked about quarterbacks that have leveled up. Let us know what you think, or if there's any quarterbacks that you think we should have talked about how they have elevated their game on Twitter, at Deep Dive Dynasty. Toby, thanks for joining me. Peace out, everybody. Have a good one.